eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten wrong yet? Morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Top six in every sport time. Heady times to be of all time. Need need some ships, but uh, things looking pretty good time. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss time. Maybe even a one-seat time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Koval's 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here early on a Monday evening where it is cold as you would expect it to be this time of year. At least it's not covered in snow or anything like that, like it was in in Buffalo for that uh, that playoff game yesterday, which, um, you know, tough one for the Bills. Tough one for the Bills. Good one for the Bengals, though. Good one, good one for the Bengals. Lots and lots of stuff. We could discuss their time, but we're going we're gonna to discuss a lot of basketball on this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. To do that, I think you know where we're going. We're going to go over to Ben McKee's house and get to Benjamin. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Wesley? Feeling better? Uh, a little bit. Um, you know, it's uh, my voice still isn't what I want it to be, but uh, the bright side, it never has been. So um, that that's that's one positive from it. Uh, hopefully I can make it through this without hacking up a lung or uh, sounding even more hoarse than I already do. But um, probably would have been better to record this before I just did about an hour and 45 minutes of other shows and whatnot, but you know, regardless, here we are, and uh, here, here Tennessee basketball is too. The Vols have, uh, I, I think, done a pretty good job at the very least. We could say that of responding to that disappointment against Kentucky. The Vols go on the road, uh, win a couple of games handily, uh, especially down the stretch against Mississippi State, and then throughout the entirety of the game uh, against LSU on Saturday. So the Vols. Back up uh, in the top five. They're number four in the AP poll. Uh, still one game out of first place in the SEC. Uh, and boy, that that game February fifteenth against Bama in Knoxville boy, that could be that could be an absolutely huge one for so many reasons. But I think overall, Ben, I think Tennessee basketball is in a pretty good position right now. I, I think things are never perfect, but you know, a lot more good than bad right now. Yeah, the current state of Tennessee basketball is is really healthy. I, I think technically they're not healthy. Yeah, I was about to say they're all sick, but uh. yes, they, they are all sick and they're all battling. I'm assuming some type of flu. Who knows? Uh, it, it's been one player after the next. It's it's that time of year where uh, we, we civilians get sick as well. And at the end of the day, they are humans and, and civilians, even if we don't think of them. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to find which one gave me pneumonia, and we're going to have a confrontation. <laughs> but but they get sick just like we do. Uh, and, and it's been bouncing around the locker room. Uh, I, I guess it started a, a week and a half, two weeks ago, prior to the Mississippi State game last week. Rick Barnes said – Prior to Kentucky, I think Ziegler. The the assistant coaches were were de- were dealing with it. Well, Zakai didn't practice pre Kentucky because he was dealing with a, a bit of a knee issue. Uh, that that's why Rick Barnes made the true, comment that true. he made in, in that post game uh, locker room. But uh, the the assistant coaches were dealing with some type of bug pre Mississippi State. Uh, then Tyreek Key shows up the morning of the Mississippi State game and is going through shoot around and. Uh, a fever pops up for him, and the temperature of that fever only continued to increase. And 
Uh, it, it was pretty interesting to, to see where he was situated during the game. Following the game, when we media members who made the trip, we were back in the locker room getting ready to speak with Coach Barnes. And uh, the I think it was Grant Ramey was about to set his stuff down on a couch. And, and one of the people that works for, for Tennessee basketball, one of the support staff members said, I, I wouldn't set my stuff there if I were you. Tyreek just just laid there the entire basketball game and, and, and you look down at the couch and it's like a, a sweat imprint of a human where he really was laying down. So he he dealt with that and I guess passed it on Julian Phillips, uh, Santiago Vescovi were not feeling good this past weekend at LSU. Urosh Plavchik had to miss the game uh, because he was sick. Uh, uh, and, and then uh, there was a, a member of the Tennessee basketball team, uh, Santiago, uh, he, he ended up missing practice today. We're recording this on a Monday, assuming Wes is going to put this out yes. after we get it done. Yes. Uh, so Santi was was not at practice on Monday because he's sick a, as well. So uh, it, that is that is going around the locker room right now. But I say that the overall health of the program in the actual basketball sense is healthy because think about it. They're dealing with all of this. And that's on top of Santi missing two games earlier this season because of a left shoulder strain. He missed the Mississippi State game because of re-aggravating that injury. Yeah. Uh, Josiah, he had his funky health situation uh, to, to start the season. Uh, and then you've had other guys in and out of the lineup as well. Tyreek Key trying to get used to a new system transferring from Indiana State. Julian Phillips, he, he's a five-star, sure, but he is a freshman. Uh, Zakai Ziegler trying to to fit into his new role. I, I've I've spoken on that uh, a ton uh, on this podcast. Uh, I guess it was around the Arizona game. Uh, I went on a, a long diatribe uh, about how I feel like this offense is is much better than the way it was performing. And when it gets all its pieces together, it, it'll show that. Uh, and it is still trying to get all of its pieces together, but you certainly see the potential with this offense. So I'd say that the current status of the Tennessee basketball team is healthy because despite dealing with all of those moving pieces, uh, and I believe the stat is that they have had – only six games this season in which all of its rotation players on scholarship have, have been healthy and been available only six games of the 19 and they're still 16 and three. They're a top five team in the country. They're in contention. They're in the conversation to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. And I do think Alabama is a smidge better than Tennessee, but Tennessee is one of the elites in the sec right now. They, they have, a great chance at winning the SEC regular season title. They they have a great chance to to do a lot of great things this season, and they're playing pretty pretty well right now, despite a lot of moving parts and, and a lot of missing pieces from from game to game. And and you don't really know what it's been from game to game. You, you don't know who's been available, who's not been available because of injuries and and sickness. And for them to to be sixteen and three and six and or six and one to start SEC playing the number four team in the country. That that's pretty daggum good. Yeah. Th there was a, <clears throat> excuse me, look, I already broke the rule. I just coughed. Um, but, but you look at what's going on like Alabama and Tennessee. And, and one of the shows that I was on earlier was, was one in Alabama. And, and I was asked kind of a similar question or, or asked a question about this. And it, it's interesting to me that if you want to compare Tennessee and Alabama, what makes that difficult is that Alabama can be so dominant offensively and Tennessee can be so dominant defensively that your natural instinct is to say, yeah, especially in this era of basketball, I think that team with the offense probably has a better chance of cracking that defense than the other way around. And it's that might be right. If I had to guess, I would say that's probably right, but I don't know that for sure because Tennessee's defense, it seems like nobody goes off, really. I mean, even Arizona – uh, that really, really, really good offense, uh, really high-tempo offense in its own court, you know, Tennessee did okay in that game. Tennessee's defense is just massacring people. It, it, it's it's not even – I mean, they're just – they're not giving them – there were so many possessions in that LSU game where LSU kind of flirted with the shot clock violation and never got the ball into the paint a single time. That That's just how how disciplined, how tough, how physical, how long Tennessee is defensively. And that's why it's really hard for me to sort of, you know, pick between those teams. You put a gun to my head, I'd probably say Alabama would be a better team. But here's what's weird, Ben. Every analytical measurement, every, like, the, the ones that take the eyeball test out of the way and just look at purely numbers. You're talking about your Ken Palms, your Torvix, those guys. 
they've all got Tennessee better. And, and that, to me, gets my attention because that what we do is we have the eye test, which is really important, but it gets back to that whole money ball conversation of, you know, what you see with your eyes versus what the numbers tell you about something. And the numbers keep saying this Tennessee basketball team is at least the second best team in the country. And it's hard to maybe process that, but maybe maybe Tennessee is closer to Alabama than we think because all the analytics say that that's the case. Tennessee is very close to, to Alabama. Uh, I, I think they're neck and neck and you have to split hairs, quite frankly, in terms of who you think is the the better basketball team. I, I said a moment ago that I, I would take Alabama if I had to pick uh, between the two. I, I think Alabama is slightly better than Tennessee. And I, I think that because they have proven to be more consistent on the offensive end yeah. and they've played well offensively against good defensive teams this season. Mm-hmm. And you're not wrong for your thought process, Wes, and I think you were more so laying out the opinion more so than than stating it as 1,000% fact. You, you were just laying out that conversation. But you you can't solely evaluate a basketball team based on analytics. There, there, there does have to be a bit of the eye test. And right now it, it does, when looking at the eye test with Tennessee, there's a little more to be desired. I'm, I'm not – as out on the eye test when it pertains to Tennessee as, as some Tennessee fans want to be because of what they anticipate coming around the corner with Rick Barnes in March. I, I think that is extremely unfair uh, and just far too far extreme in, in terms of evaluating a, a basketball team. Um, but you, you look at the eye test and you don't really see a offensive performance that has come against a, a great defensive team or, or that has come a, a against a, a big time uh, opponent. You you do have the Kansas game in there, uh, obviously, but I, I'm more so speaking on a consistent basis and the, the schedule just hasn't necessarily been what it has been in the past. It's been difficult. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, and Tennessee, I think is a better offensive team than it has shown, but in, in these big games that there's been, a little there's been more to be desired yeah (laughs) there's been a lack of consistency and you know Arizona like it wasn't a complete offensive fail I'm not trying to make it seem like the Arizona game or the Kansas game uh, were poor offensive performances that they weren't but there were still those moments in in which the offensive end was was really a struggle and and I recognize that that is part of basketball right basketball is a a game of runs one team is going to go on their runs Tennessee is going to go on their runs Tennessee if you look at another analytical stat uh, by Evan Maya the the kill shots in in which a team goes mm-hmm. on 10-0 runs Tennessee's third in the country in, in going on those kill shots aka those 10-0 runs so th- there has been offensive success and I've been the one pre preaching patience with this offense because I see that the the pieces haven't come together just yet. And there is going to be offensive success down the stretch like there was last season, in my opinion. But th- there is a little bit of doubt in the eye test in, in terms of they, they really just haven't come out and, and stuck it to an opponent on the offensive end a good opponent on the offensive end like you've seen from Alabama at times this season. And, and look, Tennessee's defense is, is better than Alabama's. There's no question about that. But Alabama also plays great defense. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're long, they're athletic, they get deflections, they turn you over, they get out in transition. Yeah. They, they are also good defensively. Uh, and, you know, basketball has kind of morphed into a game where, yes, defense is still very, very important. But in today's era of basketball, both at the NBA level and, and even at the college level, offense is is the, the bigger key to having sustained success. As long as you can play good defense and get stops when you need it, which is what Alabama does, but also continue to put up the points in, in this freestyle of basketball, so to speak, in terms of positionless basketball and just a, a lot of open space on the court, That that's kind of the key. I mean, you see it with the Warriors. You, you see it with a lot of teams now, and, and Nate Oates has absolutely instilled that NBA type of mindset and an NBA type of system. That's why he's he's had success. So for those re- those reasons, I, I would take Alabama. But look, I, I'm going to emphasize that that is me splitting hairs. I, I think that they're neck and neck. And, and quite frankly, I think it's a matter of who the home team is. If Alabama's 
the home team, then I'll probably pick Alabama to win. If yeah. Tennessee's the home team, then I'm probably taking Tennessee. But if it's on a neutral site, you really have to split hairs. And I, I would give a slight, slight edge to Alabama just because they've been more consistent on the offensive end. Yeah, and plus Coleman Coliseum has just been a, a place of horrors. Like Tennessee's been better in Rupp than it's been at Coleman Coliseum, it seems, for the past you know decade or so, and it, just relative to what they should be. But but my 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 thing with Tennessee's offense, Ben, is is this? I I don't know if it's bending over backwards to make sure you're being fair to somebody, which I you know if that's a sin, it's hardly the worst sin to commit. You know, trying to to do your best to be fair about something. Um, even when, you know, maybe the answer is staring you in the face, you know, you don't want to be in denial about things. But I think in order to be fair, I think it's a fair conversation to have about Tennessee's offense. I think the complete lack of rhythm in some ways, I think that's where the injuries impact you more. The injuries, the illnesses, Josiah Jordan-James and what he went through, Vescovy with his shoulder. Because defensively, Defense is obviously it's about chemistry, but but also it's about just athleticism and heart. Like, do you want? Do you have the will to play defense? Right? Like that's what defense is. Do you have the will to do that? Um, and, and that that doesn't change. If a couple guys go out of the lineup, Tennessee's going to play defense because Tennessee's been drilled to play defense because Tennessee's defense is that good. And as long as Rick Barnes is the coach, it's basically basically going to be that good. Offensively, and this is the same in football too. Offensively. You take a couple pieces out of the puzzle for for here or there. Offense is about rhythm. It's about continuity. It's about knowing where your teammates are going to be. It's about being on the same page with your teammates. And when Tennessee has had guys in and out of the lineup all year long, I think that impacts you much more offensively than it does defensively. So, you know, does that is that an excuse? No, I think it's an explanation in some ways. I think it's a possible explanation for some of the consistencies on offense. Now, you could say, well, you could put in some more wrinkles, you know, spread the floor more, you know, find a way to maybe just drive and put the ball toward the rack at some case. Okay, fair enough. You, you might have a point there. Um, you know, trying different things when when door A and door B aren't working. Try more stuff. Okay, I get that. But I think all those injuries, because when you watch Tennessee's offense with Josiah Jordan-James and without him, and with Santiago Vescovi and without him, they're two completely different offenses. And against Mississippi State for the first 10 minutes, Tennessee could not spread the floor because no Vescovi and no Key, two of your best shooters, are not in the lineup. You can't spread the floor you know, you can't really extend the defense. Like, you can physically spread the floor, but you can't physically spread the defense because they don't have as many guys they have to cover from 30 feet out. And I think it, it changes things. So Tennessee had to couple, make a couple of adjustments, and then it did, and then things were okay. But that that's where I am on this offense, Ben. I, I, I think that's where the illnesses, the injuries, Josiah's situation, Santi's situation, um, I think that's what hurt Tennessee's offense as much as anything. I don't think the system – is broken. I think if if anything, maybe the system could be more flexible in some ways. You could maybe make that argument, but I, I think it's I think it's a matter of health and continuity. Yeah, and and I also think that there's maybe a, a little bit of a personnel issue. I, I'm I'm with you. Broad thought. I don't think anything's wrong with the system. M- maybe fans would enjoy the the NATO system more. That but that's a separate conversation, right? Like Rick Barnes's system is not broke. He he is a really good college basketball coach. He's won a a million games for a reason. His system it, it works. We've we've yeah, seen it work. There's, there's, they're, t- they're top thirty. Yeah, been their top. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, but they're top thirty offensively, give or take, with 350 teams in the country. Like the offense, the the numbers are okay. Yes, it's it's not a a Rick Barnes system issue where where I fault him. I guess. Uh, a little bit is is with the personnel uh, in in the fact that they only have one true point guard at the moment that that is able to play BJ Edwards that they they seem to, to to think that he's going to be a, a solid to good player for them in the long run but he's just not ready right now uh he, he did have a, a pretty serious injury a, as a senior uh in, in high school at Docs Catholic don't know how much that that set him back he he appears to be physically okay he he is definitely physically okay coming off of that injury but just in terms of of his development as a basketball player not not sure how much that maybe set him back or, or threw him off course over the offseason but point blank period he's not ready to play right now 
and you only have one true point guard in Zakai Ziegler. So that that alone is a a personnel issue, and it doesn't matter if it's Nate Oates or or Greg Popovich or, or Taylor Jenkins with my Memphis Grizzlies. It's going to be hard to run your system with one true point guard. And Santiago Vescovi, he can he can handle the ball, and Josiah Jordan James can handle it. Tyreek Key can handle it. You you have capable primary ball handlers and you've been able to to overcome it i'm I'm not trying to make it seem like it's a a huge issue but it it still pops up from time to time if sakai's not playing well it's going to be an issue it's a a big issue when he's not playing well right or or if he's banged up it's an issue that that's why he struggled against kentucky is because he was dealing with with a a little bit of a knee issue and you didn't have anybody to to throw him in there And, and Tyreek Key kind of been thrown into a pro- primary ball handler role on this team, and, and I, I think that's gotten him out of whack offensively. He's a shooter. He's a scorer. And, and I understand why Tennessee felt the need to to put him a, as a primary ball handler because they only have Zakai. And, and so I'm not blaming Rick for slowing down Tyreek's offensive production, but I think the situation is kind of what has slowed down Tyreek's ability to shoot the basketball and, and score the basketball. And they need Tyreek to be more of a scorer th- than a distributor, uh, in my opinion. So that's been a little bit of an issue. But I, I think the bigger issue is the fact that they don't have a consistent post player. Uh, and, and we've seen the the system for years that Rick has. He, he wants to play inside out. He wants to get it into a post player and allow that post player to either score the basketball or kick it out to to a perimeter and and knock down three. So it's not like he's anti-three-pointer and and Nate Oates is just running up and down the floor and and shooting a thousand threes. Rick just wants to get the ball inside first and foremost, and and he believes that that along with motion is what is going to open up the shots from the perimeter, but they don't have a consistent post player. And, And that is a personnel issue more so than a system issue. And, and I like Olivier Camois. I think when Olivier is playing well, I think he is a very talented basketball player. I think he is an underrated basketball player. I, I think he does a lot of really good things for Tennessee. But the consistency with him is an issue. It is. They, they He is their best post player, and he needs to show up night in and night out and perform like it because Jonas Adu is not ready to be a, a, the primary guy in the post. Tobe Awaka may be that guy by the time he's a junior or senior. He's certainly not that as a true freshman. And Urosh Plavšić is never going to be that guy. Urosh Plavšić should not be your best post player against Kentucky. And, and he was terrific. I'm not trying to take anything away from Urosh. But from a personnel standpoint, he can't be your best player if you want to go out and and go to the Final Four, go to the Elite Eight. He just can't be. So I, I think it's been when the offense hasn't clicked on all cylinders. Yes, the injuries and all the weird circumstances that they've had to deal with, that's been one thing. But that's also sports, right? If you take Brandon Miller off of Alabama, their offense is not going to look the same. You take Hendon Hooker out of the lineup for half the season instead of the end of the season, the offense isn't finishing with all the record-breaking stats that they did. Joe Milton may have played well, but he's not playing to the level of Hendon Hooker. You take John Moran off of my Grizzlies, the Grizzlies offense doesn't look the same, right? That That's sports in general. So uh, aside from... I agree with you, Wes. That that has been the biggest bugaboo as to why they haven't found consistency on the offensive end, the the weird circumstances, the injuries. But aside from that, when when you're looking at the potential long term success and and can the offense catch up to the defense, not even catch up, but but be somewhat comparable to the defense so that they can make a deep run in March, I, I think those are the issues that that I'm looking at. Uh, may, maybe that lack of second true point guard, but but more so I, I think the post player and, and not having a consistent post player is, is really what does them in at times because not only does it affect the offense and the scoring production, you saw what happened when they didn't show up on the glass against Kentucky. They, they were absolutely embarrassed, and, and that was just as big of an issue as scoring the basketball. Yeah, I think a few things there. One, I I, I agree with with all of that. I, I think with, with B.J. Edwards – he is in a situation now that a lot of true freshman point guards for Rick Barnes find themselves in, whether they're playing or whether they're not playing. You get to that situation where Rick is basically tearing you down to see if you'll kind of build yourself back up, and he he does not relent. He does not back off. And B.J. Edwards is either going to sink or he's going to swim, 
but he, he's going to have to do one or the other because right now he's kind of in that limbo mode. Everybody knows he's still got the talent, but he's being pressured quite a bit to pick up some things quickly and to because it's like, we're not slowing down, bro. You're going to have to catch up with us. And that's how he handles young guards. And the ones that get through it end up being really, really good. The ones who don't end up transferring or they're not very good players by the end. So he's going to have to, we're going to see what he's made of, right? Because that that's where he is because he's not ready to play right now. And he's getting pushed in order to get ready to play, but they're not going to back off of him to do that, right? There's no good cop, bad cop, really. There is bad cop, bad cop, bad cop. You're going to have to, young man, you're going to have to get this or you're not going to play. And we'll see if he can he can fight through that. And yeah, I, I think the thing with the post players is they're both, they're so good, both of them, really all three of them, For and Awaka's not there yet because he hasn't had time, but the other ones, they're really good passers for their position. They're really good with the ball movement. They're understanding the offense. Where they're not good is consistently scoring the ball. Because in order for it to go inside out, you can be a really good passer, really good creator, but the inside out works because you're a threat to score. And they've got to collapse in on you to do that. And, you know, Kentucky, more or less, I'm not taking anything away from Plavsic's performance, but Cal said after the game, like, yeah, if Urosh wanted to score 20 points, whatever. We, that, we couldn't let the other guys go off. We couldn't let them go off from outside. And that's what we were going to stop. That's what Cal said. And I, I have no reason to believe he's lying about that. So um, the problem is they don't have to be – they're not respected consistently as scorers because they, they've not demanded that from, from the opposition, and like a Grant Williams did, like some of those other guys did. So that's why that's why it probably doesn't work as much because teams don't have to collapse on them consistently in order to build a wall around them to prevent them from scoring. So that that's where it hurts them, I think. And then, yeah, it'd be nice for the, if they had Yuri Collins, but that didn't work out. So, yeah, I mean, it's – you know, you are what you what you are the team you've put together, and and right now Tennessee's put together a team that I, I think is really really good, um, but it has a lot of flaws. But I'll tell you this, Ben, everybody in the country's got some flaws right now. When you look at, um, and again, I'm not going to lean too much on analytics, but when you look across the country, there's not really a team that's plus thirty in overall in Ken Palm, and that's weird to not have a single team around that level at this time either. There's usually a few of them, so yeah, the, there's there's some. There's opportunities there to be had, and that leads me to an argument, not an argument, but but something that I think, and I want us to discuss it in the second segment because I wrote a column about this over the weekend. I really do believe this. I think, I think I really believe this, um, but there's a lot of people, including uh, one legendary Tennessee player who uh, now is currently in the National Basketball Association who does not agree with me, certainly, on this topic. But I think it's interesting to discuss because I think it's fun, and that is uh, just how good is this Tennessee team compared to some of the other really good ones from this century. Uh, the numbers might surprise you, so I think we need to discuss that. Um, but before we do that, let's step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVault 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house here on a, a chilly uh, early Monday afternoon, late January, January the 23rd. Talking Tennessee basketball in this episode. we got a lot more to discuss, including some, something that I think it might – it's not necessarily important, but I think it's interesting. 
uh, and it, it kept popped in, popping in my head throughout that game against LSU on Saturday. And I want to discuss that, but before we do that, uh, just a, a quick um, request from our end, if you will. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 60 seconds, 70, 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops, go in there, rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that a lot. It means a lot to us. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this very the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Uh, and we do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. People keep coming up to me and telling me that they're telling friends, and I, I appreciate that. That's that's what that's why we make this request. So you will go out there and tell people you see around town, tell people you see um, out at lunch or dinner, tell people that you see walking your dog, tell people you see at the golf course, tell people you see at church, tell people you see anywhere that you see them, right? Especially if you live, like, not in Knoxville, because I think the word mostly is that around here, thankfully. Um, but maybe you're a Tennessee fan who lives somewhere else in the South or somewhere else in this country or somewhere else in the world. You see somebody else wearing a Tennessee shirt, you're going to be like, hey, man, that, 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 I got a Tennessee buddy over here. Tell that person about this podcast. You know, you go up there and talk to them. You might have a new best friend, right? You might have a new partner for life. You never know. So help us. Help yourself in the process. Please do that. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. I had a really... Uh, and if you've already read the column on this, you'll you'll know where I stand on this. So maybe you, you might be more interested, as I am, to hear what Ben thinks about this. But... I had a thought watching that game, Tennessee at LSU on Saturday, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And that was if college basketball had an NBA-style postseason, which it doesn't, which it doesn't, we know that, in a seven-game series, I think this Tennessee basketball team would beat any other Tennessee basketball team that I've covered. And I have a couple reasons for that. Really quickly, Ben, my reasons for, are simple. This is the best defense Tennessee's had, and that gives you an over a seven game series that can mentally wear on somebody. It can be, it, it just, it, it, it's, it basically lets you be born on second base. You don't have to be great on offense. You just got to be pretty good. And the other thing is the biggest bugaboo for this team, which everyone is worried about, whether they will admit it or not. And most people will at least a little bit admit it is that this team is capable of producing offensive stinkers that can be smelled from a mile away and make it impossible to win basically against a good team. But in a seven-game series, that wouldn't matter because you can have one or two duds. If you're yourself most of the time, you're going to win. And the last point is, other than the fact that you have to guard Santiago Vescovi for 94 feet, which you have to do or he'll go off against you, watch how hard every team defends him. That's for a reason, because he would average 20 a game if people didn't do this. Um, but other than that, you have to kind of pick your battles because you don't know who's going to go off. It could be anybody. There's six maybe at least six guys on this team that could go off for 20 points in a game that you've got guys who can hurt you in different ways. And it's really, and other coaches have said this, Tennessee is really, really hard to scout for that reason. Um, the problem is in college basketball, one game and you're done. And that's been the story of Rick Barnes career. It's like the Eeyore rain cloud falling him everywhere he goes. You have a stinker in the postseason and you're done. But I think if it were like a series, Ben, I don't know who would beat this team. I'll be honest. This defense is, I don't know if people are talking just enough about how good this defense is. I, I'm, I'll be honest. I, I'm taking Grant and Admiral's team over this team. So is Grant. I'm, so is Grant. Yeah, so is Grant, as he should. Everybody on that team should should <laughs> yeah, feel like they, yeah. they would win or else they're, they're, you, you got to question their, their competitive spirit. And, and we know Grant has a lot of competitive spirit. And, and to be frank, we're talking about Grant Williams, not Grant Ramey. Uh, Grant, Grant Williams was the one to let Wes know on, on Twitter that he was uh, disagreeing with his take. But I, I would take that Grant and Admiral team over this one. And, and I would also take the, the 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 Bruce team that went into Memphis and and, and beat Coach Cal when and when they were number one. Um and for for a couple of different reasons. Uh A, I don't I don't really trust this basketball team yet. Uh at, at least at a championship level. That that that's what I mean when I say I don't trust this team yet. Th this team is gonna go out and handle business against the Mississippi States, the the L, the the new version of LSU, the one that is trying to rebuild under Matt McVan, Matt McMahon. Uh, they're they're going to handle business against Vanderbilt, South Carolina. They're going to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat: Florida, Georgia, 
Um, and, and I I do think that Rick Barnes doesn't get a ton of credit or get enough credit for that. I, I think that is the the aspect of of things that people can forget when maybe they they get frustrated with a coach at times is is like Rick Barnes wins a lot and and I realize that he's missing that signature moment in March I recognize that but uh, aside from that he has won a lot of basketball games in in his time at Tennessee and I and it feels like people are starting to take that for granted a, a little bit because yes it does like they they never lose to the I I, I do these two four sevens every game where I'm looking at Rick Barnes' record against particular teams and outside of the big ones it, I mean it's just 10 and 2, 12 and 2, 8 and 0. Oh. I mean he just routinely beats the teams that that he should. So this team is consistent from that standpoint, but is this team consistent enough to continually beat the best teams at a consistent clip? on a, on a regular basis. And, and they have not shown that yet. Uh, they, they did in the sec tournament last year, but in terms of comparing the grant and Admiral team, I, I would say that grant and Admiral were dealing with uh, a, a more difficult sec at the time. Kentucky was much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'd say. Uh, LSU. Alabama, no, LSU was better. LSU was better. Yes. Uh, and then there, I'm blanking on South Carolina. Was, was Florida. Better. Not, Florida not, was more of a problem a little bit. Yes. The, the, the sec, was I'm, I'm blanking on one specific team that that I wanted Auburn Auburn, Auburn was much better Th- yeah. this Auburn team this year is good they're currently 15th they're really good defensively much better than usual yes but the, those early Pearl Auburn teams the one that went to the final four is, is the one that I'm referencing like all like the SEC is a, a little down it, it's still good but I feel like it's been better in years past and was better uh, when when Grant and Admiral were, were running through the league, the, so bo- I, I the do... bottom of the league is better now. But overall, yes. yeah, you're right. The 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 top end, like it's only Alabama and Tennessee this year. And a couple years ago, it was LSU, it was Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina. That they, they were team at the team at the team. Um, so I, I I don't I think that's a factor in, in my opinion. And also, Grant and Admiral would be the best player on this basketball team, in my opinion. Especially Grant Williams, and we just had a a, a, a pretty yeah. lengthy conversation and a, a lengthy point of how this team, when it struggles on offense, it, it it struggles because they lack a post player. Who who inside is dealing with Grant Williams offensively or defensively? I I think that'd be a, a matchup in that team's favor pretty significantly. And also, I I don't I think people are kind of forgetting just how good Tennessee was on the perimeter with Jordan Bone and Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner, like those guys would be able to guard with these guards. They, I, they but I, I, think, I think they would be guarded by this team too, though. I'm not saying that they're not, but um, I'm saying that people forget that those guys guarded too. Like those Tennessee teams were good defensively, and, and maybe the the metrics don't make it seem like they're Yeah, and it's, and it's not even that these. close. It's not even that close, I, I know, which is that, interesting. That, that's also a little bit of my eye test and never questioning whether Lamonte Turner was going to show up to a game. Lamonte Turner's not showing up to the Colorado game the way that some of these current Vols did earlier this season in in Bridgestone. You you never had to worry about that with with that team. So I really like this team, and and you're splitting hairs to have this conversation. Um, But when you look at who those best players were, the Tyler Smiths, the Chris Loftons, the Grant Williams, the Admiral Schofields, I think they're probably the best player on this team as well. And that holds a lot of weight to me. Uh, and, and then also re- really with Grant, like I, I don't see a post player on, on this team <laughs> holding him in check consistently uh, over seven games. So, uh, and, and I, I, I honestly, the, I don't know that this is fair, but I kind of like the mentality uh, of those Lamontes and, and admirals more so than, than some of these guys. You have your Zieglers, and, and, and Josiah's kind of adopted that mindset as well over the course of his and career. And Vescovy is saying, so much tougher than people think he yes, is. I'm not at all saying that they don't have it. Again, we're splitting hairs for this conversation. Sure, but it's fun. But Lamonte is somebody, Admiral is somebody that you want in an alley with you in, in Market Square at 3 a.m. on a Friday, Saturday night. The, you want those two type of dudes with you in an alley. And and that that was always my favorite thing about those teams. And, look, we, we don't need to talk about the mentality, the Tyler Smiths and and Jawan Smiths and, and, and Ramar Smith, Duke Cruz, 
But, like, but, 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 but consistent, guys, consistency wasn't the hallmark of that team either, though, because it had some real stinkers. I covered you, you, them. They, they did. They did for sure, but they sh- they, they sure do have a, a lot more uh, top wins to, to top-notch wins to show for than I think this team does. And, again, this is all off the brain. I, I haven't done a deep dive like like you have. You wrote a whole column on it. But I, I would take the Grant and Admiral team, and, and I'd take the team that went into Memphis and beat the number one Tigers over this one. What's interesting to me, though, I expected it to be a lot closer. I really did. But when you look at the numbers, and again, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Church of Kim Palm guy. Like, I think it, no one in the country, I think, does a more consistently better job of targeting with his formula which teams are, are the best teams. I, I think it's it's tested pretty much every year. If you're not at least pretty good in both his offensive and defensive metrics, you're not winning a national title. Uh, but interestingly enough, you know, because they judge like on, on a plus system to minus, and that Tennessee team, was came in at let me see where it was that Tennessee team was a plus 22.27 13th in the country plus 22.27 this Tennessee team is a plus 29 that's not even close like Tennessee right now this Tennessee team right now if you plug them in just about any year they're going to be second or third nationally with these analytics, like pretty much any year. And I think the reason is the defense is just ridiculous. And uh, But the reason why it's an interesting argument was because if you were to ask me like dollars to donuts when it matters, nut cutting time, you got to trust this team for a game. If it's one game, I'm not feeling that great about it. If it were like a seven-game series, I would take this team. Because I think you know over that many games, that that defensive foundation – I think you're going to have success. I think you're going to what win about those the series. Offense, ben? Good enough. Most of the time, good yeah. enough. It's a top thirty offense. It's a top thirty offense. It is that that 2018 team. Okay, but that that was after that 2018 team. Was, that 2018 team was 36 nationally in offense. Okay, 36th. It, it's top thirty. What is it as of today? Tennessee right now, 31st. Yes, 31st. That team was 36th offensively. But to this current Tennessee team is currently 31st. Let me look to double check. Yes, it is. It's number one defensively by a mile, by like three points or three, and it's it's thirty first offensively. How, how would you assess Mississippi State and LSU as a basketball team? Um, I would say Mississippi State, man, LSU, pretty bad. Okay, Tennessee was fifty first in offense last Monday, and it took them beating up a, a meh team. And a and, and by the way, the offense was absolute horse crap in the first half against that meh Mississippi State team. Scored 60 points in the final 25 minutes. Yes, against a a meh team. Over the course of 40 minutes. And But my point is, like, it's 31st because they just beat up on two bad basketball teams. They were 51st last Monday after the Kentucky game. Well, that's because other teams went out there and played badly, too, and Tennessee played a good week. It it matches you over the course of the full – over the full full course. You're you're right. I mean, Houston, 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 Houston lost to Temple. You know, no, no, you're right. Sunday. You're right. I, I, again, I have been the voice of optimism and and Mr. Glass half full when looking at this offense in in the long run. But in a seven game series uh, against those other two teams that I mentioned, I don't trust the offense in, in a seven game series to, see, to show up enough. See, I, I think I would trust it because I know it's going to have one, maybe two stinkers, but I think the rest of the time it's going to be good enough. And that's that's where and, and the funny thing is, and I wrote this in the column too, it's a completely stupid, pointless conversation because the college basketball postseason is one game and one bad game and you go home. So so that's the problem. And I think that's been the problem with some just to be frank, a lot of Rick Barnes teams it has. It, it's been that it goes into these offensive lulls at times and they're really hard to dig out of. And and that is the problem that the defense gives you a chance to win absolutely every game you play. Occasionally, you're going to have a team in this era that's going to hit like 14, 13 threes on you. Nothing you can really do about it. But Tennessee's three-point defense, which is incredibly important in college basketball these days, Tennessee is number one by like three percentage points nationally, which is unheard of in three-point defense. Like this team does not let you beat them from three. And, And so... That's where I think, and that bleeds into the reason I had that conversation in my mind, Ben, was because I thought about, you know, right now Tennessee is top six nationally in all three of the major sports in the most recent polls. Football sixth, 
uh, basketball fourth, baseball second right now. Uh, and in the last season, we're number one atop the regular season poll. So right now, Tennessee is a national title competitor in all three of the major sports. And the amount of excitement for basketball is so drastically below the other two in terms of people's hopes. And I don't get it at all. Now, it's like trying to tilt at windmills because people are going to think what they think, and that's fine. But there is a pessimism or a sense of like a fatalistic case right now with the way people feel about this basketball team. And I say that because we've both been in Thompson Bowling Arena for every game this season. It's been better than most places, um, but it's not been the same. This team has not gotten these people to go just bonanza at times like other teams in the past decade or 20 years have done. And and I don't know if that's necessarily because the baseball team is so exciting in your face, home runs, 104 mile an hour pitches and, and just feistiness throughout the wazoo. And then you've got football, which is scoring 40 plus points a game and playing the fastest offense in the country and super exciting. And then basketball, that team relies a little bit more on defense a lot of times. And it's a little bit different. I don't know if that's the reason, or if it's just Rick Barnes' postseason history, but That's this exactly team, what it is. but this team, I do not for the life of me like this team has got some dogs on it. This team defensively is tough as hell. Like Vescovy, Ziegler, those guys, Josiah Jordan James, as underrated as any Tennessee player has been in a long time in terms of being misunderstood of what he is as a player. Like this team's got some dogs on it, man. And and I I'm a little bit. I'm not surprised that there's some doubt because there should be because of the history, but I just think of the way Lindsey Nelson has been, you know, the past few years. And I look at what Neyland has been since Heupel got there. And I look right now at the basketball program and the juice is not what it should be for a team that's this good. And I don't know that that's like a five alarm fire, but it's on my mind as an issue. I think it's a little bit of an issue it's not been the same there this season. No, it, it, it hasn't. And and it's because they expect March to go the way that it has for the last couple of seasons. That that is that is the big reason why, in my opinion. And that's a whole separate conversation. I, I don't think Rick has completely drowned in the NCAA tournament, uh, the the way some make it out to be. Um, and, and that, that's a long conversation. Yeah. I mean, I Purdue, those, Purdue was a bad call. They, they fair and square had that game one. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I've listed my reasoning over the years for, for those who have followed my work, but like Lloyd Chicago, yes, Tennessee should have won that game. The ball hits every inch of the rim and goes in, right? Like that, that's 50, 50. And that team goes on to, to, to the final four, the, the, the Purdue game in Louisville, that that like you just said, I mean that, that's a coin. That's just a great college basketball game that did not end in Tennessee's favor. Oh, by the way, it had multiple calls go against it. Rightfully, like in terms of criticizing the call, rightfully criticizing the call go against Tennessee. Like the ro- absolute wrong call was made. And last year, Tennessee should beat Michigan, uh, but you know Michigan played to its potential. That that team was very talented. And Dickinson and, was a tough cover. And you had. Players on your team, Josiah, Zakai, Kennedy, Santiago, they missed open shots the final eight minutes of that game that they had just hit for the last two months that allowed them to win the SEC tournament and have such a successful ending to the season. Uh, And and look, the the Oregon State game, that was absolutely disgusting. But I I do think it's also fair to, to point out that that was a COVID year. That team did not have good chemistry whatsoever it, it was just a weird year um couldn't do anything with each other all year long and the bubble type of atmosphere in indianapolis and, and oregon was, state was weird. And, and oregon state just caught fire absolute fire in the postseason yeah, and, that year. and that team also made a run so rick barnes should have more ncaa tournament wins at tennessee the team that lost to loyola the team that lost to purdue the team that lost to michigan those three teams should have gone further in the the NCAA tournament, just generally speaking. They absolutely should have. But I do think there is some context that I I just don't think it's fair to say, oh, Rick just just choked in in the tournament. His players didn't really play well against Purdue in the first half or against Michigan in the second half. His system got shots, and the players 
were missing the shots. And I'm not at all blaming the, the, the players solely. Rick, Rick, owns that as well. Grant Williams didn't have to come off the bench to start overtime uh, against Purdue. There, there's there's some coaching there as well. Sure. My point is that it's just not black or white. It's not. There's there's gray area. There's context that I think is is fair to point out as well. But because of the fact that they have not gone as far as the, the team should have gone, these fans this year are expecting that to come around the corner Yet again, and I think that's playing into the fact that as to why they're not really excited because they know what's going to happen. And look, at some point, it's going to be that way with Tony Vitello and Josh Heupel as well. If if they're not able to get over the hump, that's the other thing. Rick's been here longer. Uh, Tony's not too far behind, but he's certainly been here longer than than Heupel. And and Tony still hasn't won a game in Omaha. I, I think people forget that T- Tony's winless in Omaha. And do I think that it that is going to stay that way forever? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. But if if like this year, the, the the current baseball team is talented enough to win the national championship. And if if it's another year in which they, they don't make it to Omaha or, or even if they get to Omaha and don't win a college World Series game, there, there's going to be a narrative that, that begins to form as well. And, and if there's several years of that repeating, then then fans are going to adopt this mindset of, OK, why should we get excited when we know it's going to end and us getting our heartbreaks down down the stretch when it matters most. And same with football. If if Heupel's not able to get over the hump and get into the playoffs, get to Atlanta, okay, cool, you're having regular season success. But at Tennessee, you can win national championships. You, you can make deep runs in the postseason, and it's not happening. At, at some point, the, the, the temperature is going to change. And that's a whole <laughs> another conversation as well. I don't necessarily subscribe to the championship or, or bust mentality. I, I don't think you should be dwelling on March and 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 not allowing yourself to enjoy some of enjoy the enjoy the, the process, big wins. man. Part of it, enjoy yeah, it. I, I agree. Like enjoy like beating rivals. Year. Enjoy it. Yeah, I think last year's team is the perfect example uh, of of that in terms of yes, it was a very disappointing end when they lost to Michigan, but you're going to let that that loss wipe out. The, the fact that Tennessee won the SEC tournament for the first time since 1979 or the big win over Kentucky, the big win over Auburn, the big win over Arkansas, all, all of that just is is wasted and that, that's not allowed to be appreciated or, or even the baseball team. Yeah, they came up short. They should have made it to Omaha. They probably should have won the whole national championship. Yeah, when scouts are saying you might be the most, the best college baseball team they've ever seen, yeah, you should, you should be in Omaha. Right, and, and so you go like number one in the polls for two straight months – you, you just absolutely destroy all of your rivals in baseball in South Carolina, in Vanderbilt, in Florida, in Georgia. Uh, and, and then you go beat up on these prominent baseball teams that are national title contenders every year. I mean, they absolutely wipe the floor with the two teams that that have won the last two national championships in Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, and Ben Joyce is throwing ridiculous speeds on the mound and, and you're hitting all these home runs and, and all of this fun stuff is happening, but because they didn't make it to Omaha, that that's just all to be forgotten. I don't subscribe to that thought process. Yeah. It's, it's weird to me because and I'll end on this thought. I, I, the reason I said that is because I, I think there, there have been so many times in recent years where in multiple sports, I think Tennessee fans have put the cart before the horse in terms of how good a team is. And that's what fans do. That's what fans should do. Like, fans should be excited. Fans should expect the best. Or else, what the hell is the point of any of this? You're supposed to feel like your team can beat the world on a good day. That's what you should feel like as a fan. Or else, my God, what are we doing here, guys? But I don't know the last time that I remember that a Tennessee team in any sport was as good on paper as this one is and the hype wasn't to that level. I don't know that I can remember that. And I think that is, it, 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 it's many things, but it's, it's certainly interesting because the, I don't know that I can remember a time where a Tennessee team in any sport uh, of the major ones was this good, this good on paper, and people were just not running through brick walls about it. That, that to me is, that, that worries me. And you know, there's a, you were talking about baseball. Think of, think of Mike Bianco, man. Think of how many times people were like, 
Like, nah, like they just don't get it done in the postseason. You know, Ole Miss, uh, Omaha stands for Ole Miss ain't here again or Ole Miss at home again, and State's coming up and winning a national title, and all these things are happening. And last season, Tennessee goes in there and just absolutely drags their you-know-what over the face of Ole Miss, you know, and just saps the will out of that pro- that fan base for a while. And people just kind of were like, meh, about it. And then look what happened by the end of the season. Like, Mike Bianco can go do that. Why can't Rick Barnes go do that? I just don't understand why there is such a fatalistic view of this team right now because maybe it won't win a national title. They're really hard to win, guys. They're, there's a, a lot of good programs have never won one. A lot of good coaches, a lot of great Hall of Fame coaches have never won one. But you're going to be in the conversation as long as this guy's your coach. And if you have that, if, if you have belief, maybe you can push that team to get over the hump. But right now with this atmosphere, I just it's not like people are booing them or anything like that. But but you just go talk to people on the street. Go listen to, you know, go go look at some of the stuff on social media. It's toxic, and I wouldn't recommend looking at it all the time. But it can sometimes give you a vague temperature of where things are. And I just, the vibe, the buzz, I'm not saying the vibes are everything, but the vibes are just not where I would think they would be for a team that is as good as this one is on paper. And I, I don't, I guess I can understand it in some ways, but I don't think it's helpful. No. And, and I think part of it is coming off of the great football season that, that Tennessee is, is having. Uh, I think fans are kind of uh, resting a, a little bit after a, a long, fun, emotional <laughs> energy draining season uh and that that was a really fun football season and and I think fans are slowly starting to to shift their attention to basketball but I, I think that this team lacks a, a signature win uh that that gives the fans Kansas confidence. neutral floor Kansas I, I was about to say that the Kansas win was nice but it was late in November over the course of Thanksgiving, while football team is is still rocking and rolling, and and everybody's pissed off about the the football team that that yeah that's a good win, but in terms of talking about fan excitement, that gets swept under the rug because of when it took place, and and, it, and it's not like that Kansas team is a world beater either, uh, and and you've beaten Maryland since then, which was a okay win. I think that's a, a Maryland team that's somewhat above five hundred right now. You had an opportunity. Uh, against Arizona, and, and we're not able to take advantage of that. And then, you know, SEC play so far, they, they've they beaten mostly bad basketball teams. And, and you had an opportunity to to just knock John Calipari completely out, and he comes in here, and, and they bully Tennessee. And they wanted that basketball game more than Tennessee on the, on the day that they're retiring one of the greatest athletes to ever step foot on this campus's jersey. Uh, I I thought that I think that took a lot of wind out of the sails uh, of Tennessee basketball fans. Uh, so yeah, I do think they're lacking that that big time win for fans to to latch onto. Like yeah, they beat Kansas, but at the time that it occurred, it got swept under the rug, and I, I think they have a, a chance this weekend to 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 really prove themselves to fans. And whether they they need to or not, that's a different conversation. But they they have an opportunity to to get the fan base excited again this weekend, I think. And generally speaking, I think fans are excited about this basketball team. I saw a ton of tweets on social media today about Tennessee being in the top five and, and people being excited about them being in the top five. But to your point, it's not the level that it was with Grant and Admiral. And I think it's because they they're nervous about March. And we have reached that point with Rick to where seasons are going to be determined by what he does in March, because we know that they're going to be strong in in the regular season. We know that they're going to finish as one of the the top teams in the SEC. We know that, but what is he going to do in March? And so far, the the teams that he has had is not won as much as they should in March. And I feel like fans are are nervous. There's a nervous energy in that regard, uh, and and they're just waiting on it on it to play out and i think that's why you've gotten the the vibe that that you've gotten so i'm not saying it's fair one way or the other but i i do think that that is the reason that since football season has ended there there really hasn't been a a signature win and when they had an opportunity for a big time win they they choked 
quite frankly, when, when Kentucky came to town last weekend. They, they should have drilled that Kentucky basketball team. That, that, that Kentucky did seem to figure some things out in that basketball game, but Tennessee still should have won. Just and didn't the make sad part is, just missed layups. Yeah, but but it also felt like Kentucky wanted that game more than Tennessee wanted it. That that was the first true basketball game this season in which it felt like fans had their complete attention on. And part of that is because football was was still happening. But that that felt like that was every, all eyes were on the basketball team and they didn't show up. And and you pair that with the the concern about March coming around the corner and, and I think that's why you get the vibe that that you get. He he's a a product of his own success or, or whatever that quote is. I mean that that this is the, the product of you being so successful is that fans demand so much of you and, and expect so much of you that wins over Mississippi state and LSU aren't going to move the needle, but a win over Texas this weekend would with college game day in town. Yeah. But also a loss in that game wouldn't mean that this team wasn't still a contender. And, and, but, but, but that's, I don't, you're right. I, I, they, and here's this the team thing. deserves more. Here's the there, thing. There's no doubt about that. Wes. I, I, this team deserves more. They can win a national championship. They, they can, and people, they can and make pe- a final four. And, and people are, it's just weird to not get those vibes. And again, I, I, people will think of this as being critical or, or antagonistic. That that's not at all what I'm going for here. I'm just saying it feels weird because I can recall many times where a Tennessee team was clearly flawed, like a poison pill problem that was going to prevent a team from winning a championship, but people still kind of got vibes up and they felt like it could do anything. And then you have a team right now that, that actually could do some of those things and people just more than usual or seem to be assuming that it won't happen. And that's, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's weird. I, I don't know if it'll change. I don't know if it'll still be that way. If it'll get worse, if it'll get better. I, I don't pretend to know. I'm just saying what it feels like now and what it's felt like for part of the season has felt kind of weird. And, and maybe that's, uh, it's interesting. It's something to, to keep a, put a pen in and think about for another day, but regardless, big week coming up this week, Tennessee hosts, uh, Georgia, uh, coached by Mike White, which is, Still feels like we're on a different planet with Mike White coaching Georgia. That just feels weird. Um, but a team that's been better than people thought, a team that is is physical, has some athletes, and Tennessee's going to have to take care of business. And then the big one against Texas over the weekend in the uh, the Rick Barnes Bowl brought to you by Davy Crockett. So lots and lots of uh, interesting things this week, and we'll have more basketball podcasts to discuss it, Ben. But I guess we'll take stock throughout the week, and then we'll see where Tennessee is going forward. It'll be a good week of, of basketball. Uh, fans should be excited about this team. I, I don't blame them for being nervous uh, for, for March. They, they, they have that right uh, and uh, are, are right in feeling that way, to be quite honest. But the, the, I, I do feel like this week is, is a good chance for, for this basketball team to, to earn some goodwill, if you will, because George is a sneaky good basketball team. Uh, almost upset Kentucky in Rupp Arena yeah, last week. It's one of those games that you can't win because if you win, you're expected to, but if you lose, it's a disaster. That That's never a fun situation to be in. No, but again, product of the success that you've had up in, to that point, I'd rather have that expectation than, than not have that that, that expectation uh, because if you don't have that expectation, that means you haven't been winning uh, enough. So I, I do think it's a, a good problem to have. But again, for those who have not been, been paying super close attention uh, to to other SEC basketball teams, Georgia is is sneaky good. Uh, like Wes said, a, a game Tennessee should win, uh, but Georgia ha- has been pretty impressive here at the beginning of the Mike White tenure. It, it won't be a, a walkthrough. T- Tennessee's going to have to show up and, and and play pretty solid basketball. And then uh, Texas did lose at Iowa State last Tuesday, and then struggled against West Virginia uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, been a, a funky year for tennis or Texas basketball with with the whole Chris Beard. Uh, situation, but, but and the, still and the Big Twelve team. and the Big Twelve is so brutal. The Big Twelve is so good. It is such a yeah, good so league. The the two two good games this week. Sneaky good game with Georgia and, and a massive game with Texas. So uh, two big opportunities at home, in my opinion, for uh, this basketball team to earn some goodwill with the fan base. Yes, it the, is more confidence. There you go. I think that's a good place to leave it, Ben. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, now that now that. Um, my my voice is hopefully back to the normal level of crap and not like you know not able to talk. Hopefully we can uh, we can get back on schedule this week. So uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks, Wes. There's that button, and now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24 seven on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 seven on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 seven on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash go 24 seven. You can also go to facebook.com slash go 24 seven, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee, smoky mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.